I have been listening to Audible for years. It just started with a free trial and my favorite Ellen Hildebrand book. And then once I realized how much I could accomplish in a day, like cooking for the kids, cleaning, organizing the house, you name it, um, while being entertained, I was hooked. It has all of my favorite fiction books, but it also has our favorite books on natural birth like Mindful Hypnobirthing, Birth Without Fear, Birthing From Within, Natural Childbirth, The Bradley Way, just to name a few. If you use my link, you can get 30 days free of Audible. Just go to audibletrial.com slash birthnaturally. And I suggest starting with Ina May's Guide to Childbirth if you haven't already, because that is a listener favorite. So once again, just go to audibletrial.com slash birthnaturally for 30 days free. Welcome to Birth Naturally. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Kate. And we're sisters having a conversation about everything from med-free birth to natural parenting. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. We have a really wild ride for you today. Elle's episode is just, it's a lot. It's, first of all, it's our first feedback story. But Elle's first pregnancy and birth experience were not at all what she had planned. So after she had her first, she became what she calls a student of birth. And she read and she took in all the stories that she could. And she planned for her ideal birth experience, which turned out to be a home birth. So we are just really excited for you to hear kind of the ups and downs and the the things that she went through that she talks about. I think it'll be really good for people to hear because it's not... They aren't things that we hear every day, and Elle was able to make it into a positive experience with her second. Oh my gosh, you're not kidding. It really was a wild ride, and you are not going to want to miss Elle's episode today. Uh, Don't forget to follow along on Instagram, at birthnaturally. You will see when we put new episodes up every week, and you'll also get to see some amazing birth photos and birth affirmations and different quotes that you hear in each episode. So don't forget to follow along. And if you're liking what you're hearing, please give us a quick rating and review on iTunes. We would really, really appreciate that. It gets the word out to other moms who are looking for birth stories to listen to. So with that, let's jump right into Elle's episode. They say giving birth is equivalent to running a marathon, but what about being pregnant and building a company from scratch while taking on the multivitamin aisle? That is the story of Ritual's founder, Kat Schneider, who started Ritual because she couldn't find a prenatal she could trust. So I just started recently taking the Essential for Women multivitamin, and it's been great so far. They are super gentle on my stomach. I can even take them without food, which is just very convenient. And yeah, it's great because I just want to fill some gaps in my diet and I feel like this is exactly what I need. They're also great tasting. Like the the Essential for Women multivitamins have like this minty taste. So I'm so not used to that. I'm used to that like not so great aftertaste. So that's been awesome as well. So although I am not pregnant, Ritual has a prenatal that you can trust. They are made with traceable ingredients. You can literally look at a map and see where all the ingredients have come from, which is super cool. And you better believe I checked that out and I loved it. 
and all of the ingredients are vegan, bioavailable, and clinically studied key nutrients for before and during pregnancy. They're also non-GMO project verified, gluten, and major allergen free. So why settle for a multivitamin you're not 100% sure about? Ritual was literally built on trust, so you know it's the real deal. Ritual is offering my listeners 30% off during their first month. Visit ritual.com slash birth naturally to start ritual or add essential for women prenatal to your subscription today. So myself and my husband are in our late thirties. We got married and started our family um, when I was 30 and I had my first child in 2014. Um, Now, just so you know, I do not come from any sort of exposure to naturally minded anything. So when I was pregnant with my first child, if you had told me that, you know, six years later, I would have had a home birth, I would have laughed in your face. Like you are (laughs) crazy. Um, you know, just a very, very typical, I would say like a lot of women in America, um, basically everything I knew about birth came from movies. And it was all this, this idea that pregnancy and birth is a, an illness that needs to be treated. And birth is an emergency, um, that requires like immediate, uh, intervention. Um, Mm -hmm. so I kept saying over and over again, and I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, give me all the meds. I want everything. I want everything you have. Um, because I was so scared. And I think a lot of people are so scared of the unknown that they think that they can somehow gain some control over the experience, um, Mm -hmm. instead of actually learning about it. Um, and that was definitely me. Um, naturally minded lifestyles were just not on my radar. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, so yeah, so I received my prenatal care at a military training hospital. Um, and I, you know, I don't want to overgeneralize. I know that a lot of people have really great experiences. Um, they get what they want out of the experience. Um, and I think like a lot of first time moms, I didn't know, I I didn't know what was good, what was bad. I just implicitly trusted the medical community to take care of me. And if I was treated kind of like a farm animal coming in, you know, take a number, weigh in, here's your shot. Um, get out the door. Like I, I just thought that's what you do. That's what everybody does. But it was very impersonal. Um, and Mm -hmm. you know, the, the care itself, this, I know this podcast isn't about this, but I, so I, I just want to put out there that it was, um, you know, I, I did have medical malpractice early on. There was abuse at my very first obstetric appointment. Um, the, yeah, the, um, the OBGYN who came in, she, um, she basically got mad at me because I didn't want a, an 18 year old junior boy, like male, um, Navy guy in the room with me while she did things. I said, may I please have a female? And she basically like, she kind of, I don't know how to explain it, but she abused me with the speculum and with the, she like (gasps) withheld as they were doing the first ultrasound pictures. I'm sobbing. And I had like, I was bleeding. Um, she refused oh, to let oh us gosh. see the ultrasound. Like she just, it was just, 
it was really horrible. And I, you don't know, you just don't know what you don't know. Right. And I had no idea how to process this. Um, I was also like a sexual uh, assault survivor. And like, I say that in a way that it, it was one of those things that had happened when I was younger and I had never processed it properly. Um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. something that will bring it back full force and is pregnancy and going in and being vulnerable and laying on your back. And, um, and I, it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks and I just didn't see it coming because I thought I'd, I'd work through and process things that had happened to me before. And it's just, you know, and my husband, we were kind of newly married and, um, ah, man, you gotta love guys. Right. But they just, <laughs> They do a lot of stupid things. The first baby, okay? They are just—they they, some are super supportive. My husband is wonderful. He—we um, had a lot of issues with my first pregnancy. He didn't understand why I was crying. He kind of wanted me to suck it up. He didn't—he just didn't understand. He lacked that emotional intelligence that having children and being a father gives you. You know, like maturing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that was yeah. a journey that we went on. Um, but. Long story short, from the very beginning, like my care was very impersonal. I felt so vulnerable. Um, and, you know, like for me personally, I just, you know, it was a military training hospital. I saw someone different every single time. I just thought, I thought my job as a military female was to lock it up and, and be tough and whatever they were going to give me. I had to put on this front, like, it's fine. I can take this. But inside, like I had so much anxiety. My whole pregnancy was fear and anxiety. One, I didn't trust the people that I was being cared for or those that were giving me care. And, you know, two, I also didn't trust myself and I was afraid of my body. I was afraid of any kind of pain. Um, and, and really just had this attitude that, you know what, I like, I had a friend who had five babies, all of them unmedicated. And when she told me that I just kind of like looked at her, like you are crazy. Um, (laughs) and I felt like, what is she trying to prove? Like, why, why does she want to be a hero? I just, I didn't understand. Um, so fast Mm -hmm. forward to, you know, to my son, I was, uh, at 41, um, 41 weeks on the day, um, I was induced, uh, with a Foley bulb. Um, and I was like, I am terrified. Give me the, I had an epidural at like three centimeters or three. Yeah. I was dilated at three. And, um, and so I I felt great. Like that has being in the military, like there's no sort of, I was like, give me the drugs. I am, I am not allowed to take any kind of, I want to feel good. So, and I did, (laughs) I felt super good. They had me strapped in the bed. I, you know, like I, um, you have all the things like the monitors wrapped around you and, you know, I had the catheter in, I was not moving. And I'm like, this is the most I have rested this entire pregnancy. Initially I, I thought, Hey, this is awesome. If this is what it's like the whole time, um, I'll do this again and again. Um, but you mm-hmm. know, fast forward, um, many hours, like 12 hours and there is not really a lot of progression. Um, and, so, oh, another thing about this is no one, I had a birth plan. Does it really count? It doesn't really count. Like I had, I got everything on my birth plan. Okay. I got the epidural. 
Um, I got the apple juice. Like I had, <laughs> I had, all, you know, I didn't know how to do a birth plan, but, um, but uh, so, so like I said, it was a training hospital. So when I first got in there, I was checked. I was checked probably like 45 times because the oh. doctor would check me. And then the, uh, the resident doctor would check me because it was a training experience and no one asked me if this was okay. Oh, if these like gosh. people could come into my room, like it was just, there were just a circus of people just coming in and out. And it's like here and, and not even communicating with me, not looking in my eyes and, you know, sticking their hand inside of me. And, and then it's like, okay. And then the next person would do it. And they're like talking to each other, but I'm just, I felt, I felt like a, piece of meat you know what I mean like just yeah like an yes, animal and, yeah um, just like I was gonna say like when your prenatal <laughs> yeah. experience sounded like the same sort of feeling like yeah no it totally was and now I think back when I'm like I if, if somebody did that to me now I would kick them in the face um <laughs> yeah. like, like it's just the fact that you're not involved in these decisions whatsoever it's just kind of implied you're gonna go along with it that's that's crazy well also you know I think military rank structure played a role in my mind because, you know, doctors outrank me. They hold a higher rank at the time. They, I felt like I had to defer to them. Um, and Mm. I felt like I couldn't speak up. I had to say, you know, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Um, because Mm -hmm. they outranked me. And I, you know, even Mm -hmm. though that is a very specific military environment, I have noticed in my own family, like my mom and other people, a lot of people show this deference to doctors. They don't realize that they work for us. (laughs) They provide a service to us and we are allowed to speak up for anything that happens to our bodies. I had no idea. I just did not know. Um, so Okay. So, so yeah. So fast forward to like, I had a little epidural thing had, there was a bullet, a button that I could push. Things started to get intense the next day. I'd been in, in labor for 20 hours. I felt like it was wearing off and I could feel that I was, you know, I needed to push. I could feel that. Um, I could feel my body like doing the clenching and like this uncontrollable, like I needed to push. And when that started happening, when that happened, I realized that like I had gotten from the beginning to right at the end and it had not been that bad. And I, 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 I just, there was this like moment where time slowed down and I was like, Oh, my body is doing this on its own. That's weird. (laughs) Like I, you know, and, and Mm so, so I was pushing, um, And there was a nurse with me and they had me on my back and they were holding, you know, my knees up to my, to my chin and like making, they, they were counting and they were making me push for a whole, like a hold of 10 seconds. Like instead of Mm -hmm. doing it, what felt natural to me, um, like I was forced to hold it and then kind of like, you know, would get dis disparaging looks when I didn't hold it for the full, the full 10 seconds. <laughs> oh and like gosh. my husband, my husband was counting too. He's so lucky. He's still alive. Um, he was counting too, and he would count slower. He was counting slow. He'd be like one, two. I'm like, no, I'm like, shut up. Get up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so, gosh. oh yeah. So these things are funny now, but I told, oh my goodness. No, not funny in the moment. <laughs> yeah. No. So, okay. So, uh, long story short, um, 
I pushed for almost four hours. And then, you know, they told me, they came in and said, Hey, um, at shift change, if you haven't had a baby, you know, we're going to do a C-section. And I was just like, well, okay. Um, and then they walked out and I'm thinking, no, I can keep going. And the baby, he was fine. He didn't have, there wasn't like a heart rate, like he was, everything was fine. And I felt like I just needed to keep going. Um, but sure enough, you know, at shift change, they came in and said, ah, we're pulling the plug on this. And I'm, I'm like, no, I, I really think I can keep going. Like this is, I feel like this is right and I can do it. And they're like, no, you can't. You're, you're obviously too small to have a baby um, vaginally. Your <laughs> hips are too narrow. And um, so, but it's okay. You know, this happens to a lot of women. It's part of evolution. And, um, and, and so they're like, we're going to do all this stuff. So all they're getting me like, um, they're rolling me back to the OR and they try to do the epidural or do the, um, uh, what, what should I call it? The, Spi- was it like a yeah, smile? the final, yeah, the mm-hmm. final. And it didn't take. Oh. And at the same time, I'm like, the, the epidural is completely worn off. And I'm, so I'm trying to be still and I'm having these intense contractions and the anesthesiologist comes in, he's yelling at me and <gasps> he's like, you need to be still. <laughs> and, um, oh I know. And then, so I was like, well, I can still feel everything. He's like, you need to lay down. And so I lay down on the thing and they're like, so I'm super claustrophobic. And they laid me down on this table. Right. And they strapped my arms down and I'm like starting to have a <sighs> panic attack and they, they, tilt me backwards. So it's like, the, it was just not, oh. not enough. and I'm telling him, I'm like, please, 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 please just give me a second. Give me a second. I can feel everything. I am, you know, I, if you can just give me a second to catch my breath, I'm like, ha- I'm having a panic attack. And he like, I just remember his cold eyes staring at me, like, just like oh. uncaring, just uncaring. And he's just like, he's like, you need to stop. And oh, so then yeah. like the, the, um, OBGYN came in and I told her, I was like, I can still feel stuff. And she's like, she looked at the anesthesiologist. She's like, she can still feel stuff, you know, like what's going on. And so they sat me back up and they gave me the, the, the second one, the second spinal block. And then there is a phenomenon that can happen where you, where the, um, the, I, I can't even think of the word, but the, the, the spinal block can, it's supposed to stay below your rib cage but it can go oh, above gosh. that. And then you stop feeling mm-hmm. yourself breathe. And it's something oh, that we're not, yes. yeah, we're not even aware of it happening. Like we, like it's this comforting thing that just happens and we take it for granted. But when that's, when you can't feel your chest and you can't feel that you're breathing, you think that you are not breathing. And I, <laughs> I thought mm-hmm. I was not breathing. And I talk um, about a panic attack. Like, come on. Oh, oh, I totally freaked out. And I was just begging. Um, I was begging. I, I begged them to, to give me something. I was like, you have to give me something. I can't, I can't, um, I can't do this. And they had placed my husband in a corner and he didn't know to like be able to come over and talk to me. I just, I was, I felt so alone surrounded by people who didn't care about me. Um, and the, so they did give me something. And I think there was a part of my brain that kind of hung in there waiting to like waiting. Cause I, I wanted to know that my my son was okay. Right. And mm-hmm. I just remember like hearing his cry. And then I was like, oh, and I just, oh. and I, I was out. 
Um, I know. Oh my gosh. So, wow. so the last thing I want to, I want to add from this experience is that I did end up back in the hospital. I was in the hospital for almost a week with a postpartum infection because of all of oh the them gosh. sticking their hands. Another thing I didn't mention <sighs> is that they, they broke my waters early on, but not because it was, there was nothing about it that was needed. They wanted to speed it up, but they also wanted to use it as a training, um, <sighs> experience to, to train someone else how to do it. So I had two people doing that. I didn't, I didn't know, like, I did not no. know, you how know, would you? How would you know? yeah, but basically, so they, my son was not in a great position and they broke my waters. And basically at that point, the baby gets, is less able to move around into an optimal position. Mm-hmm. So Mm, so yeah yeah that makes sense so that was my first so that's experience why you, you couldn't, yeah, like, oh my gosh talk about a nightmare basically like the textbook cascade of interventions where yes. if you start one thing it's like if you give a mouse a cookie you know your mom I'm sure you've <laughs> right. read that book before it's <laughs> the same thing and uh, being a first-time mom you have no idea like you how how would you know that and and having like having gone through that experience, I mean, I'm sure making the decision to have another one was like extremely difficult. I would expect. No, so actually, as much as you know that experience, it was really, it was not good. But it put me. I'm a very stubborn person, and it put me on a journey because once I got home and things started settling down, I started to process because we process these things very slowly, right? It, I mean, even oh, yeah. mm-hmm. like there's, there's, and so I was thinking about it and I, I remembered the feeling of pushing and I was like, that's, it was unexpected to me. It was completely unexpected to me that my body could do that. And I kept thinking, I felt like I could keep going, you know, why, why did these things happen the way they did? And also my, you know, I grew up in a very mainstream family. And so breastfeeding was something that was done behind closed doors. I was terrifying, terrified of breastfeeding in that first moment. You know, like when I, I I always thought it was a sexual thing. I never understood the perspective on like breastfeeding in public. I felt like, oh my gosh, why are people not covering up? But when I held my Mm -hmm. son to my breasts for the first time, just something something completely changed where, where we just, we had a really good connection and like the oxytocin and everything was flowing. And I really like everything clicked and it's like this whole magical world and these like sparkly, Mm -hmm. like little magical things (laughs) made me feel so connected Mm -hmm. to this other human. And I suddenly realized there is more to my body and being a mother than I ever knew. Like this is this is beyond measurable. Like there's, there's nothing that people can even like words that cannot be used to explain the power that we have as women. And I felt it, but I didn't understand it. And I wanted to understand it. So, you know, I started asking questions. Um, and I started doing research and I wanted to know why everything happened. Like why were my waters broken? Why, you know, I had felt my son move a week earlier into a weird funky position. Like, why did that matter? Like I wanted to, I dissected every aspect of my birth experience and I researched and I, I found out that I just, I found out why things happen the way they did. And, and I found out that they, 
don't have to happen that way. It's actually everything that happened was counterintuitive to, to our body's ability to birth. And that just from there, like I just shot off and, and that was like the beginning of my natural, like really, we lead a very naturally minded lifestyle now. And, you know, thanks to this horrible experience I had, I feel Mm -hmm. like it opened up a whole new world because I wasn't, I, I, I know that a lot of, you know, a lot of women do not have optimal birth experiences or outcomes and doctors will tell them things like, oh, your body's too small to birth naturally or, you know, a million different things. And, and because, you know, we want to feel positively about our birth experience and say, oh yeah, I had to have, I had to have that. And frequently women really do need those medical interventions but sometimes mm-hmm. they don't. And a lot of times they don't. And it's easier for us to say, you know, there's nothing I could have done, but I, I, I wished at the time that I could have let it go. My husband wished I could have let it go, but I couldn't, <laughs> I was obsessed. I wanted, I wasn't satisfied and I wanted to know why. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I actually, so this... I couldn't wait to have another baby cause I wanted to do uh, it different. So what, <laughs> Kind of lead us down the path a little bit. How did you get from this overcoming this traumatic birth to deciding to have a home birth? How, what, what did that look like? Well, so I, I think it just it it started with one resource after another. I discovered, um, you know, birthing without fear, and then I started mm-hmm. reading all these um, these birth stories of women who had positive birth experiences. And I was like, what, <laughs> what, <awesome. laughs> what is this? And it's just, it gave me so much to think about, like factual things to research. And it, I started to feel empowered instead of feeling scared. And that was a very addicting. Um, and, you know, so it just, I just, I learned so much. I became a student of birth and by becoming a student of birth, I, I, I gave myself peace about my experience because I felt like I had the power to, to change it. And I also got this little fire in my belly for wanting to help other women. So I, you know, I went through doula training, um, which introduced me to like, you know, a lot of the the physiological aspects of birth. Um, so yeah, so I did doula training and that kind of exposed me to three of the most awesome books that, were just game changers for me. Um, so Penny Simpkins, birth partner, Ina Mae Gaskins, guide to childbirth. Um, mm-hmm. and then I, um, hypnobirthing manga method, but it was more just like the, I, I never actually did hypnobirthing. Um, I'm not like, I'm a very type a, like get, I cannot sit down and do yoga. I can't like, it's just, I tried so hard. I couldn't do it. Um, but the actual, like the, the text, the supportive empowerment in that book was just the best. I just, it was so good. So if I could, if I, when people ask me, Hey, you know, what would you recommend um, me read? Like those three books, I feel just kind of wrap a pregnant woman in all this information um, that she, she needs to either start her own journey um, or just, I, I just, I love those. Um, yeah, those are good ones. I have to ask, what was the reaction you got from like friends or family when you told them <laughs> yeah, about your home birth, um, about choosing a home birth? It was so, so really, I kind of, it was a slow, it was a buildup for a couple of years. So I had my son in 2014 
And I had my daughter a year ago yesterday. Um, so oh. last year, <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday. Um, <laughs> thanks. But for, I really, I'm not one of those people that thinks I need anyone's permission for how, for my opinion. So I don't really share with, I, I mean, I kind of did occasionally, but you know, the more that I, that my opinions became kind of off what would make my family, my, my, like, I don't care to change them. Words only can do so much. All you can do is show people sometimes, like Mm -hmm. you can say a million things, but people that nothing will actually can actually help them see, um, see things the way you do and without showing them. And I, I also think that when you're pregnant, sharing too much with people outside of your little, your little private family is not a good idea uh, because that usually invites them to share their opinions, which I don't really think their opinions matter. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, But, but so like with my husband, like I would be sitting in bed, you know, nursing my son and I would be like, Oh my gosh, you won't believe this. And I would like, you know, so he was just kind of like, uh-huh, uh-huh, listening in the background and kind of, he got like a, a part of it, but it was something that as I was growing, I was sharing what I had learned with him. Um, and, you know, I, I decided, I would say about three years ago, I was like, you know what, next baby, we are, we're doing a, we're going to a birth center. So I went, I scheduled, like I, I went in for one of the open houses for this birth center. It was just me and this other lady. She was pregnant. I was not. <laughs> 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 it, was like, it was super, it was super awkward, you know, because <laughs> I'm like this birth nerd. Um, but it just became for me, it became a passion learning about it and I couldn't get enough. Like it was every time, like I'm in the bathroom, got baby in my lap, I'm on my phone, like reading about birth and trying to, I just, I, you know, there's like an endless amount of knowledge. And even after oh, having yeah. my home birth, like I still learn things from that. Um, but so, okay. So, so when, so we tried to have a baby for a while, we ended up doing, um, we had to do, uh, what you call it? Um, fertility treatments. We did IVF and we were not IVF, IUI. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were successful first time. So we were super lucky. Um, my husband and I are both pretty healthy people. So I, I do have to put that as a disclaimer because, you know, a lot of flexibility is always required and things are always going to pop up. But I prepared my body for the next baby. I wanted to be, I wanted to have every like optimal box checked to make sure that like I had, I mean, I took it seriously. I took it like it was a, I was training for the Olympics. So, so I wanted my body to be in the best shape it it could be to have a baby. So there was no situation where I would have to go into a hospital (laughs) like at all. (laughs) Yeah. I I wanted that that (laughs) so badly. And, and so, you know, like, you know, I was very healthy. Um, we, we finally got pregnant last year and I was like, this is it. It's game time. And so I started, you know, interviewing midwives and looking into there's two birth centers within an hour radius of me. And so I went to those and then, you know, I was talking to a couple doula friends and I was like, do you recognize any, or do you recommend any midwives? And 
so this one midwife was recommended to me. She's like, but you know, she's home birth. I know that's not really something you want to do, but she's awesome. And her birth assistant is one of the midwives at this birth center. So maybe you should talk to her. So I, you know, we set up an interview on the phone and I, I talked to her and I had never actually entertained home birth before. I just never thought I felt like my level was birth center and I wanted to, I wanted to do a birth tub and a birth center. Um, but then when I talked to her something, I was like, this is it. And I just knew, I just, I, I, I had, I didn't know until that moment that I was going to have a home birth. And so, you know, I told mm-hmm. my husband and his eyes got kind of big and he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> he's like, yeah. And I said, well, you know, hear me out. Let's have her, have her over. You can meet her and she can answer your questions and your concerns. I mean, he definitely had a lot of the, the typical ones. I, people don't know a lot about home birth. So they assume that, that you're not, no one is prepared for, you know, an event right. to, to occur. Yeah. And a lot of people already perceive birth as, you know, the moment you go into labor, oh my gosh, it's an emergency. Everyone run around like crazy. And so like already they have this idea that once it starts, it's this, this, this thing that has to be controlled. And, and so my husband still kind of had, he still kind of had that, but he was way more supportive than I, you know, I, I thought he was going to be. Um, and that, that sounds awful. I, I thought that he was going to push back because it was very expensive, um, out of pocket for us. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, also, you know, like he's, yeah, he's it's, out of, it's out of the norm. Yes, and, absolutely. And most men are like, what? Cause you've been researching for years and to yeah. you, it's like, this is normal. Like what yes. are you talking about? <laughs> yes. And I, yeah, they can sometimes take a little convincing. <laughs> yeah. But she was, she was, she, you know, um, my midwife, she was just wonderful. And, um, it was just a great meeting with her at my home. And she explained to him that, you know, most of the time, if there are going to be any issues, there are so many signs up front from the very beginning. And there's like a threshold of, you know, midwives are doing monitoring. They are evaluating you when they see you to make sure that things are, are good to go. And then the moment, if there was to be a situation that would require a transfer, it's typically not an emergency. And typically, you know, and they bring their, um, their whole bag full of goodies, which is the equivalent of what you know, and, and, uh, an ambulance has, um, and mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. there. So it's like, it's, um, I don't know for me personally, the worst case scenario was being in a hospital because I knew that I was going to fight somebody. Like I, I just, I knew that if I went to a hospital, it was not going to be a peaceful experience. And mm-hmm. that the moment anyone pushed back on me, things were going to get real, real fast. Like I was not even, I was ready. <laughs> I was ready for that fight. And, um, and so the idea of, of, um, I knew what needed to happen for my body to give birth. And I wanted to give it every fighting chance to do it the the way that would be the most productive and the most peaceful. And I knew that I wanted to be safe. I wanted to feel safe. That was my, like, my number one priority was feeling safe. And I felt the safest at home with my midwife. Um, and I just, I knew that when I talked to her, I knew that I would be safe and I felt protected. I also felt that she supported that I was in charge, that, 
that what I wanted was the number one most valuable thing. Like she wasn't going to like consent even it's just, it's so huge and people don't realize until you don't have it. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Yeah. That is, that is huge that we, we talk about that quite often because I think a lot of people, not just in birth, but in, but with your health care in general, consent has to be a part of it. And you, like you said before, you know, you're, you're, you're paying a doctor or healthcare provider for a service and it's your choice whether you say yes or no, you know? So right. I, I think that that's such an important point to drive home. And I love that your midwife did that, did put you in the driver's seat. That's what you need. That's where you need to be. And when you're, when you are in labor and giving birth. So, yeah. so that's, it sounds like you chose a fantastic midwife. So what was your pregnancy like? It was so completely different. It, I mean, I, the only time I stepped foot in any kind of, you know, sterilized environment was, you know, when I had my 20 week ultrasound, um, and she would come to my house and she'd come in and my son would be there. And it was, it was like having a family member over. She'd, she'd come in and listen to the baby and we talk about anything and everything. She, sometimes she was there for two hours. It, there was oh. never a moment where, wow. where there was like, I have my next appointment or, you know, I'm super rushed. Sometimes she would run late because she gave all of her heart and all of her time to, to all of the women, you know what I mean? And that was, you know, that yeah. was okay. Once I realized it, like I said, very OCD, but once I realized what she was doing, <laughs> <laughs> I was okay with it. Um, so you had all of your appointments at home? Every single one of them. And I didn't have a single wow, weigh that's in. that's so cool. <laughs> I was never weighed <laughs> in once. Oh, awesome. Like oh. I never had any of the pressure. Of, I never felt like a farm animal. I felt like a person. She trusted. She would look at me and, and you know, I was, I was healthy. Um, I did spinning babies. I did. I went to a prenatal Cairo. Um, I, you know, I, I took care of myself at that point we were plant-based family and we added some, some, uh, some meat products back in, but I mean, I ate very healthy. Um, I mean, for the most part and just, (laughs) you know, for, for example, the, the glucose testing. So I was, I was considered advanced maternal age, um, for this pregnancy. So there were, if I had gone to a regular doctor, there would have been more visits and more pokes and like lots of blood work drawn yeah. Oh and yeah, crazy sure. stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, so <laughs> for the glucose testing, a lot of women, um, I was a part of this, this group, um, this group of moms who had babies in April and I would just see their posts about having to do this glucose testing. I looked up what is in this stuff that they give women and, mm. It's, it's like a, it's like a toxic chemical little milkshake. It's insane to me that they, they give this stuff to women to drink. Like it's just, Mm -hmm. if you look up the ingredients, it's some of the most horrible stuff you could ever ingest. For me, my midwife said, Hey, if you'll go buy a, um, you know, 15 ounce naked juice and drink that, and then we'll take, you know, we'll take your blood. And, and that's what I did. And instead of, you know, it was at least, it was a lot of sugar, but it was on the healthier end of mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. versus having to, it's, you know, coming from comparing it to how I felt, how I 
felt with this pregnancy and the other one, I trusted before that anything that a doctor would put in my body, I trusted that it was safe. And that's just not true. Like, it's just not true. Mm-hmm. There's, um, so, so yeah, so that was one of the things, I mean, it was just, it was really wonderful, um, having her over to the house, just, she would come, you know, yeah. once a month and we talk, I could text her if I had questions or, you know, I had a UTI at one point and, and so I texted her and her birth assistants, also a certified, um, nurse midwife, um, and, uh, they were able to get me like medication and like I, they tested and everything. Like it was just, it was all inclusive, but in a very personal caring way. Um, just, they were there for basically anything that I needed. And, um, and you know, just like this past pregnancy, I had better supplements. I had, um, homeopathic things that I would take for certain things versus it was just, it was all around a more healthful experience. Um, just, I, I felt great really. I mean, I hate being pregnant, but I felt great <laughs> in comparison. Um, yeah, I'm sure. Um, so how were you feeling as you approached your due date? So one of my things that I had learned um, was that you never, uh, you know, I didn't even, my husband at the very beginning, he put the due date on the calendar and I was like, no, you need to delete no. that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. You're going to wait and let this baby yes, come on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> when it's ready. So I didn't even, I didn't even pay attention to the due date. So when people would ask me, I would say April. I would say, oh, you know, mid to late April, maybe early May. And they're like, what? No, you need to wait, give us so- a date. <laughs> So sorry, but did your midwife, like, were they willing to just let you go? Like, or did they have kind of, okay, you can go like three weeks or whatever. Um, so she said, when I asked her about it, I'm trying to remember specifically, she said that, you know, up to 42 weeks, but because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, but that I would still need. So once you pass the 40 week mark at 41 weeks, I had to get a biophysical profile, which is a, like a an ultrasound that just makes sure, makes sure the baby's still growing. There's enough amniotic fluid. Um, Mm -hmm. so, so she said, as long as everything seemed okay, she would let me go up until I think 43. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so help me get back on track. (laughs) Okay. So, um, so you would tell people your, your, you made it. Yeah. Your, your due date was, mid to late April, maybe early May. And people thought you were crazy because. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so like, something... well, I want to mark the date on my calendar. <laughs> I mean, talk about social distancing. Like I created this little bubble around myself because I knew that I didn't want anyone else's toxicity or their negative negativity getting in the way of my successful home birth mm-hmm. uh, after C-section. And so I really was very vague with everything that I provided. I just didn't want, this was my thing. And I wasn't going to let any naysayers, it just wasn't important to me to like get a reaction or to hear other people's, you know, besides women and like my little April mama's crunchy group. Like I just, I kept very private and, um, you know, I would, I would give the, the fun stuff. I would share pictures or, you know, of my belly or videos of the belly moving, but I, I'm not one of those people that especially 
I've seen so many women overshare with family and then it creates so much stress. Like family stress just becomes huge when you're pregnant anyway. Like everything becomes a big deal. And I just, I knew I didn't Mm -hmm. need that. I knew what, I knew that birth was not so much about me physically, but it was about my state of mind. And I knew exactly what state of mind I needed to be in going into labor. And I, I safeguarded that. Like it was like this precious little thing. I did not let anything like it was, it was mine and I guarded it, um, with every word, like every conversation with family. Um, and you know, to be honest, when you're pregnant, it's not about them. (laughs) So I didn't mm -hmm. feel, I didn't feel guilty. And even people who tried to, um, you know, my, I asked my mom to come out and be here in the house to take care of my, my, uh, my four and a half year old at the time. Um, and I had to kind of brief her when she got there and like give her the rundown. Hey, this is an emergency when things start to go down. Um, I just need you to, to be peaceful and to play with Patton and everything's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, every, everything's going to be fine. And, and so she kind of had to play referee with other family members who they wanted a play by play. They wanted the social pregnancy experience. They wanted it to be about them. And it was all really well intentioned. Um, but the last thing that anyone who is a part of a natural birthing support team, the last thing that they need is the role of having to entertain anyone external to the house. So we completely locked down. We said, Hey, we're going to have limited contact. We'll let you know, you know, when the baby is born (laughs) Mm -hmm. and people weren't happy about it, but you know what? They got over it. And (laughs) so, um, you know, like what I was doing was more important than them, than them knowing those things. And I needed my support team to be, to, they had a valuable role. Um, everyone who was involved in a home birth has a valuable role. Um, and that role cannot involve communicating with external people. They're just, if you didn't make the baby and if you're not on the birth team, then you really shouldn't be in that space and that you'll get very attacked in the I totally, <laughs> yeah I totally agree with yeah. that but we'll text um, you a picture and the stats afterwards. yeah yeah <laughs> um and I shared everything after the fact I shared everything and you know like people who were butthurt like they came around but they just they didn't need to know and and sometimes people's egos have to be checked and I know that sounds harsh but um the the no, sanity agree. of the pregnant woman is one of the most valuable things, and it's yeah. like and she pr- has prote- to and get protecting it. yourself emotionally from. We always say in this podcast, for whatever reason, when you're pregnant, people love to tell you horror stories. Yeah, and especially if you say <laughs> home birth, they're like, oh, uh. yeah, <laughs> and like you don't need that. You know, you don't need that because that. That thought has already gone through your head. You've addressed it probably with your midwife. You've done your research. Like, thank you. Yeah. Already addressed that. Goodbye. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so one exactly. time I, um, I was trying to, cause you know how, like, if you're in, in a, like a mom group or something, things can get pretty mm-hmm. personal. So I posted something once it was a week out about my, oh my gosh, about like discharge and mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. feeling of pressure in my butt. And I posted that and I thought I put it in my group, my private group of oh, women. No. And I posted it to my Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. I didn't even realize it. And I like, I like 
I typed up this thing, right? And then I sent it off into the world. And then I oh. came back an hour later. Oh, and I had, my yes, I had my commander from my like one deployment <laughs> I went on. He was like, I think you're in labor. You need to get your cervix checked or something. <laughs> I was like, oh my, you know. LMFG. Oh my gosh, that <laughs> well, is... Well, time to move to another country, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I deleted it so That's fast. Hysterical. And then I like posted something. I was like, hey, so I, um, I meant to post that. And, but, but before I deleted it, I read... A child wrote that. <laughs> yeah. I read all of the comments and all of them were like panicky. Oh my gosh, you mm-hmm. need to get checked. You need to go do this. You're in labor. It's happening. It's going to happen. I'm like, this is exactly why when you are close to having a baby, like you almost have to stay off social media or just not, Mm -hmm. just not put it out there. Like you don't let anyone in your headspace. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so anyway, so definitely beat that, that horse. Uh, but (laughs) (laughs) too funny. Oh Oh my gosh. Um, that's a good reminder to people to check where you're posting, you know, yeah, well, just for your or... own sanity, yeah, for yeah. sure. Like having like one safe little group, like like I did, oh, I found, yeah. yes. and I'm still Definitely. really good friends. I like really like we're all close. We stayed connected, and that was like a safe space, but. The, the world in general is definitely not a safe space. And I think women learn the hard way of like over, over sharing that mm-hmm. it just ends up hurting mm-hmm. them. So I definitely kept a, a lock on it. Um, do you guys want to hear about my birth experience? Yes. I know if we're yes. coming. Yes. Almost Wait. The, okay. All right. So, <laughs> so my babies go, go over the, the due date. I wasn't even worried about it. I do admit I started to get a little bit, a little bit worried when my midwife came over and she's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to have to monitor a little clo- more closely now because, you know, there is, um, you know, we want to make sure that there's enough amniotic fluid. We want to make sure that baby's okay. And, and I just, I, I had to do a lot of work to keep my head in a positive place because I was, I started to become terrified that, you know, I was going to lose my, my, my midwife. If I had, if I had to transfer to a hospital, she would have been my doula. Um, but I, I really didn't, really didn't want to go to a hospital. Um, no. mm-hmm. so I, you know, I, I did get a little, a little bit stressed and a little bit edgy. Um, but you know, I had a bunch of like natural homeopathic stuff, like rescue remedy that really helped me through <laughs> some mm-hmm. of the, those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went in for my biophysical profile on it was like, I think I was technically like 40, 40 plus five. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so I actually went into a birth center to have that done. Um, and they try to do it as quickly as possible because, you know, the, the concept that the heat waves from the, um, from the ultrasound can actually be uncomfortable for the baby. So, so I went in for that and I, my prenatal chiropractor was in the same building. So it's like, I'm going to do both of these at the same time. And it was right around Easter or I think after Easter and my, my mom and my, my husband and my son were all there. So it was kind of cool. It's like, we were all, we had to drive 45 minutes to go to this place. We made a big deal about it. We're like, well, we're going to go shopping after this. We're going to pick up a rug for the baby's room for home goods from mm-hmm. home goods. And, um, so yeah, so I had my, my adjustment. And then I went in for my ultrasound across the hall in another room. And then we went to Kava. Have you guys ever had Kava? It is amazing. Okay. So we went and we got some like Mediterranean, um, Mediterranean food. And I started to feel like, like there was some, 
some leaking going on, but that's not abnormal. Like, how can you tell like when you're that yeah, pregnant? There's, yeah. and there's so I'm many things to, going on. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I tend to gain like 50 pounds when I'm pregnant. And Me too. Me what, too. Yeah. yeah. And so there's pressure and I'm like, is that, is it, you know, is it just like normal day? And so I just was kind of ignoring it. Just like little, like I would laugh and like, eh, like, <laughs> and, and it's like one of those things where I was, I looked at my mom and my husband, I'm like, I think I just, I don't know if I peed myself, but you know, it's like at that point, you know, the people who are in your circle, they are hearing way more than they ever wanted to hear. So, oh, yeah. so it's just like consistently through lunch, there was like, like if I would cough or just move, there would be like a little, I'm like, Ugh. so I ran to the bathroom like many, many times. And then we went to home goods, which is basically my place of worship. And, you know, I was very, very happy there and they were letting me shop while they watched my son and they were getting the rug and I'm, you know, having this like peaceful Zen moment. And I'm like, and I felt like this, a lot of fluid. And so I run oh. to the bathroom and I'm like, Hmm, but in the <laughs> moment you don't want to believe it. Like yeah. you don't, it's oh, like, yeah. you don't, you try to justify, you're like, yeah, this isn't it. And then, you know, continuously on the way home. And then, you know, I got home and I, um, you know, I'm like, I really need to sew my curtains. I really need to pleat my curtains. So suddenly I had this urge, like while I'm like wetting my pants everywhere <laughs> that I need to <laughs> do something with my curtains. And so I like sewed curtains for my room. And by the end of the day, I was like, okay, I think maybe my water is broken. Like after it was like eight hours, it took me eight hours to accept that. I've either peed myself <laughs> for eight hours. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And after changing my pants, like three times, my, my cool little maternity uh, yoga pants. And so I, you know, I texted my midwife. She's like, Hey, so in your birth kit, you have this amniotic fluid strip. Will you please try to get some of the fluid if you have any left on that strip? I was like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot. So I tested it. It was positive. And then you cannot help but be so excited. Like there is oh, yeah. no amount of like, you can tell yourself, I'm going to be zen. I'm going to be so chill. But it's like, when you realize you, that baby is coming, you're like, oh my gosh. So adrenaline. Mm -hmm. like, oh. Yes. So I like go to the top of the stairs and I yell down over the living room. I'm like, it was positive. Like I'm trying not to freak out my mom. Cause she gets really like, she kind of gets hysterical easily. So I'm like trying so hard and, <laughs> and everyone's like, Oh my gosh. And then just like quietly, like eyes wide, but tr also trying to stay chill. So I don't like kill anybody. Um, like everyone's like this controlled, like calm. Oh, do we react? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so like I had set up my bedroom where I had these like fairy lights hanging all over the, the curtain rails and stuff. And I, um, man, I wish I could send you guys a picture. It was just so pretty. And the birth tub was in the floor ready to be blown up. And so of course, you know what I did that night? I stayed up till like three o'clock in the morning, trying <sighs> to get stuff ready for this. I could not sleep. I couldn't, I had to do oh so gosh. many things. And like, I was making my husband inflate the tub and he wasn't doing it right. He's like, well, if we inflate it too much, you know, it's going to pop. And I'm like, you better inflate the birth tub all the way. And, <laughs> and so, you know, by the next, by the next morning, um, you know, I labor had not started. And so my, I, around seven 30 in the morning, my, my midwife said, okay, well, you know, get your breast pump out and, you know, do 15 start, you know, pumping on each side at 15 minute intervals to try to, you know, like simulate, get things going. She said, I'll be over at 11. So she came over and she sat with me. She's like, listen, you know, like, 
here's what we can do. Here are your options. You tell me what you want to do. Your, your waters have broken. They've been broken for, you know, like, you know, today will be 24 hours. She said, there is a point where if labor doesn't start, you know, that could be a situation where we will have to transfer. She's like, so let's take this one, you know, small scale, like measure at a time. She's like, so here's what we can do. I can get a homeopathic birth stimulation kit for you, get you going on that. She's like, we can also, I can strip your membranes and, um, you know, and then we can check back in a couple hours. I was so adamant. Like I, I did not want to do any interventions. I wanted everything to happen. You know, and one of the things that I always say to people, I'm like, you have to be flexible. You have to be flexible. But I still had it in my mind that, that none of this would be needed. So, so it's like, it took me a minute. I didn't want to have my membranes. I didn't want, I did not want any checks. I didn't want anything happening down there. Mm -hmm. Um, and not because I was scared, but just because I didn't think it was necessary. But in this situation, I said, okay, so, you know, you, you weigh the risks versus benefits, right? And I said, mm-hmm. do I want to transfer to a hospital? No. No. So, so I'm going to accept the next level thing. She also offered me a Foley bulb that I could do. And I said, no. So, so she, um, she gave me this birth uh, simulation kit, simulation kit. And so what I had to do is I had to take these pills, like, um, every 15 minutes. And then I would alternate doing that. And then on the half hour mark, I would, I would pump. And so I, I think a lot of people do various things to get oxytocin flowing, right? Um, mm-hmm. sex is not something I am interested in. <laughs> like when <laughs> I am that pregnant, like I want my husband to stay away from me and not, not because <laughs> of him, but just because like tired, yeah. grumpy, moody. And, um, and so, but for me, laughter is what, is what I needed. So I locked myself up in my room. My mom didn't really understand what was happening. We didn't really tell her stuff because I didn't want her freaking out. And, um, she was outside playing with my son and I locked myself in my room. I put Dave Chappelle on the iPad and I <laughs> did this like every 15 minutes taking a different <clears throat> homeopathic medicine, pumping, walking around, folding laundry, like laughing, relaxing, and within two hours, labor started. My husband wow. was in the, yeah, within two hours. Oh, my husband was in the, um, in our guest room taking a nap. And I said, you know what? I'm going to let everybody do what they're doing because this is my moment. This is my moment to find the place that my mind needs to go. And I knew exactly because of all of the the resources that I have had that I had had in the journey, I knew the place that my mind needed to go, and I like walked around and and like all I thought about was breathing, and I just erased everything else from my ma- from my mind. I just focused on breathing. I focused on moving and listening to my body and what my body needed. Everything else was shut out, and I have to tell you that at some point, it's almost like even though I did not do any hypnobirthing classes even though I am not a yoga person, because I use my brain to go where the brain is so powerful, ladies. Like I, mm-hmm. I think I went in some kind of trance because I don't remember a lot. All I know is that things got crazy fast. Like in my, like I shouldn't say crazy. They intensified very quickly. So two hours later, I labored in my room for two hours. And finally, I was like, I had gotten in the shower. I was using like the hot water. And I, I, 
I thought, okay, this might be getting into this might be maybe I should talk to the midwife. So I texted the midwife and I said, Hey, so, um, things are, are getting intense. And then, and then within a minute later, like I couldn't even text her back. Like things were so, so husband up at this point. Well, so then, so then I messaged him and I said, I couldn't, like, I could barely even text. Like, and that's when you know that it's like, it had happened so, so quickly. Like I, I got it just because like I allowed my body to open. I allowed my Mm -hmm. body to work and I moved around. I didn't sit, I moved around and I let, I swayed and I did all the things. Um, and I texted him and I said, come (laughs) 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 and he comes upstairs. And at that point, somehow I do remember when he came upstairs that I had somehow I'd lost my clothes. I've had no clothes on and I'm like kind of a, like a prudish person. And so like, I think that's when he knew (laughs) like, uh, she's walking around, like swaying, like squatting and like, I'm squatting. I'm like, (gasps) you know, and I knew that whatever I felt I needed to do, like sounds I needed to make, whatever I felt I needed to do it. And I was doing that. I didn't give a flying F about anybody else. I was making every noise that I needed to make. And I was like in sync with my body. It was just so powerful. And, and so I couldn't even talk to him at one point, like I put my arms on him. I had seen clients that I had doulaed for like kind of doing this dance, like swaying. We did that maybe twice. Um, but then, you know, the midwife arrived and I was just like, I need to get in the tub. (laughs) Like, that's all I could say. I'm like, I need to get in the tub. And, um, Mm -hmm. I said, can I, and she said, um, yeah, she's like, absolutely. Whatever you need. And so I got in the tub and within 30 minutes I was pushing. Um, so that was like three hours. It was three hours and, um, well, it was three hours start to like to the pushing point. And then, Mm -hmm. um, oh, I felt so good being in that, in that birth tub. It was so warm. There was definitely relief, like pressure off. Um, and you know, I, I pushed for, I pushed for three hours. Um, so I think that's my norm. My norm is to go over 40 weeks. My norm is to gestate longer and to, to push, um, to push longer. But Mm -hmm. I like, my feeling is that if it's fast, like, you know, like it gives the body time and the baby time versus forcing things. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, so I, I don't, from that point, like, I don't really remember, like my mind went somewhere where I didn't even like, I knew there was pain, but I had already told myself that when I felt contractions and when I felt pushing, that's when I needed to relax. And so, you know, there, every once in a while, there would be a moment where I'm like, (gasps) where I almost started to like, you know, cause you get tired and I almost started yeah. to kind of like my body tense up. And then I was like, no, 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 <sighs> breathe, yeah. relax. And because I let go, I feel that I was in more control. Like I was in control because I let go and I trusted my body. And I wouldn't say it wasn't pain free, but it wasn't, it was good pain. It was like productive pain. And it was, yeah. it was, it was my body working to do what needed to happen to birth my baby. And it was, it was honestly, it was a wonderful experience. And then, so, so, you know, like, of course, um, you know, about 
like after pushing for about two and a half hours, um, I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm so tired. <laughs> I just want to nap, you know? And, um, I just, at that point, I remember like, like she, the, the midwife was shining a flashlight down into the water and would hold a mirror up. And I, I thought that I would want to look, but turns out I didn't want to look, <laughs> but <laughs> my husband, um, like the only, I have like these brief moments, like dream sequences where I see these visions of what happened, like, like almost pictures instead of a movie, because I was so in like my, I was so in like this meditative place. Um, but I remember looking up at my husband and he was smiling and his eyes were like glistening with tears. And he had this look of just like utter joy. And it was just, it was like the it was such a contrast to the first experience to see. And he was so supportive and so caring and he was taking care of me and um, just saying wonderful things. Um, and so it's just that, like, I can just, whenever I'm mad at him, I like see his, that's that face. And I'm like, that is, I like, I can't tell you how much like our relationship grew and like our love for each other grew. And just in that, that evening, um, yeah. So my little, my daughter was born, um, you know, like it, it just, it was awesome. Um, and like, what, I yeah, what, went, what, what went through your mind at that, the, when you're handed this baby, because the first time, I mean, you're on a table and you're yeah. passed out and now here you are like, in your, in your own home, <laughs> like the most comfortable place. Also, yeah, I mean, so it was wonderful being at home and like having just, I mean, that part was great. And so, but I, you know, I will say like with my son, when they handed me my son, I felt all those things that are yeah, like the yeah. Hollywood things. But with my daughter, I felt tired and, and, <laughs> you know, like it wasn't, it was, I, you know, I did tear. And so, so, so like, as she was crowning, that was the thing I didn't expect. And, yeah. and so, you know, the real story, like the, the reality is that it's like, it's like one of those things where as it's happening, you're like, Nope, don't want to do that. <laughs> Never yeah. mind. Go back, mind. Go I take back it back. <laughs> but you can't, you cannot control it. And my, <laughs> my body, <laughs> but at that point you're completely committed and your body's like, yeah, there's no turning back lady. And then just, mm-hmm. so yeah. So she just, she shot out like really fast and I, I tore and it wasn't, it was not an awesome tear. I would say that the, the postpartum recovery for her was tougher than, and like I would, I would go through labor a million times just like that, but I didn't, ex- I did not expect, um, postpartum to be like that. And that's one thing I think, you know, even like there's nothing beautiful without a little hard work and a little pain. And, mm-hmm. and I think that women are afraid to talk about the hard things and postpartum mm-hmm. can be very hard. I had so many friends who said, Oh yeah, I was cooking dinner within three days and I had this unrealistic expectation. So I hate to, to even bring up that it, it kind of sucked, but it did suck. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> it that's, suck. that's good. <laughs> it can, it can very much suck for a lot. We, we always ask women about their postpartum experience, because that's not something that, that anyone talks about. And it's not something that you, when you see like a movie birth, no one is like talking about like, okay, well, how did she feel postpartum? And you were wearing pads for this long and you're bleeding and 
things hurt. And a, and a lot of people also don't know to like kind of prepare themselves for that and, you know, yeah. <laughs> expect that. So it's good to hear the good and the bad Yeah, for everyone. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to doula for my birth because I am someone who needs quiet. I don't like a lot of people being around me when I, like, I knew that I didn't need a lot of people, but I wish I had hired a postpartum doula um, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another thing I, for whatever reason, even though I have been like as a hobby, I've been a doula. I just, the plus delivery of the placenta kind of freaked me out. It ended up being no big deal, but like the fact that you just had a baby and now your body's like, Hey, guess what? You got to do more work. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I know. But I mean, it didn't, it wasn't, you know, I just, I think, um, so, okay. So as she came out and I see her, it's just like shock and it's wonderful shock. And I wanted to hold her, but my body was doing that thing where you shake really bad. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like mm-hmm. I, I wanted her and we have a video of it and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Like just, it's just a moment that in the, when you're in it, it's so slow, but it happens so quickly, but it's just like, I see her and I'm holding her and I can't believe like she's beautiful and it's wonderful, but I'm also really tired. So it's like, I want her and I want to hold her, but I also want to, get in my bed and I want to hold her in my <laughs> yeah. bed and I want everybody to get the F out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let us nap yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, it can be a very strange moment. Yeah. <laughs> like it's so exciting, but it's also just like, what just happened? Yeah. I actually remember that my, my sister had a home birth, um, in, oh, in September and I, I, missed the birth I was there right afterwards and I remember she was getting stitched up and she was shaking and she like and you could tell like it was just you could the the emotions are like it's overwhelming you know it's just I think I was like laughing like uncontrollably too. Like I things are just like all confused. Yeah exactly. Wow. Well I mean that that labor sounds I mean, amazing compared to your first. I mean, it sounds amazing for anyone really, but comparing it to your first labor. It's like redemptive almost. It feels like a redemption. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. And you know what? One of the really cool things. So I remember when my son, you know, we were in the hospital for five days because he was jaundiced. Um, And so every like two to four hours, there was somebody coming in, turning on the light, being Uh like talking super loud, waking up the baby, pricking his, um, you know, his heel. He had all these cuts on the bottom of his heel. And then when we finally went home, we had to go back. We had to keep going back to this office. But my midwife is um, certified. A lot of the midwives are where they can provide both postpartum care and pediatric, like infant pediatric care for six weeks Mm -hmm. after. So she came to me. So she, she came back the very next day. Um, she was here for like an hour, two hours and like helped me. And, um, did, she did all of those things for me in my home. And she didn't just like check a box. How are you feeling? And like take blood and do all of those things. She, you know, it was like very personal and I never had to leave my room. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and like my daughter, she was, she was jaundiced too. And, you know, I'm not a medical professional, but you know, they, um, I've read studies where, you know, usually around day four, like the jaundice is a natural reaction, um, is a natural thing that happens. That's part of the body regulating mm-hmm different toxins and stuff. And by day four or five, it'll start to go away. And if it doesn't, then you may, 
you know, and of course there are extremes and every circumstance is different, but you know, we didn't, I didn't put my baby in this like sauna thing. Like I, we sat by the window, I nursed her, like it wasn't, there was nothing that was an emergency. She was very healthy there. Like we didn't have to go, you know, it's really hard for, for a woman, like the first six weeks to go anywhere, shoot the first three months. Like, so just having that personal care and having someone who was qualified to bring all of those things to me, and to take care of my baby and run, or she did run at like a blood panel, like everything. I, I didn't completely shirk all of modern, you know, the benefits of modern medicine. We had the blood panel. We had the things that could, to ensure that my baby was okay. And, um, she, she did all the, t- she did the hearing test and, um, and those things. So it was, it was just really, really nice. I can't imagine birthing any other way, um, now. And, it makes me sad when I think about, um, you know, a, the majority of women will never, they will always think that delivering a baby has to be about being afraid and letting someone else do things to you, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yep. Yeah. So mm-hmm. That's yeah. why we love to share these stories because we hope if, <laughs> if it can change even one mind and, and give the that power, you know, like you realized your power, even after your first, the power of women and the beauty of that birth can bring, like, you know, like for someone. Yeah. And, and just to let other people and let people know that there are other options, Mm -hmm. like just listen to them and make the decision that works best for you. Yes. So, so exactly. Like my experience, what was best for me, where I felt the safest and the most empowered was in my home with my midwife. But I think the whole point and the whole bottom line is that what the woman wants is the most important thing and feeling safe is important and being supported is important. And if a provider does not respect you, does not support you, says they're going to do things without your consent or uses fear tactics to get you to do things, you need to find a new provider. (laughs) Yes, for sure. It won't be for everyone. Some women will do a birth center, but I think I wish that women knew that birth was not something to be afraid of, that it's not the end of the world. It's not dying. And if you let go, it can, you know, like it's pain is pain is not always bad. It's not something happening to you. It's what your body is doing to, to bring your baby earth size. So that story was like, Oh my gosh, like, to go from that one extreme to this like beautiful home birth, like I'm speechless. It was beautiful. It really was. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, though. Well, thank you very much. It's so nice to meet you guys. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> Thanks again to Elle for coming on today's episode. I know that was probably a lot to take in and we're just happy that she ended up getting the birth experience that she really, truly wanted. Yeah, thanks, Elle. That was awesome for you to share that with us. And don't forget, follow along on Instagram at Birth Naturally and take a photo where you're listening, whatever you're doing. We always say we listen mostly in the kitchen because that's where yeah. you find me most of the day. <laughs> yep. When your kids are home 24-7, you're cooking like all the time. So uh, take a picture, tag us in your stories, and we'll be sure to repost that. And a five-star rating on iTunes because it helps others find us. So thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys.